Okay, so this is going to be the first episode of Genre Breaker. I'm Hayden Pickens, and I am here with Audrey Bauman. Hello. That's how you say your last name, right? It is Bauman, yes. Okay, so for the first episode, I really wanted to take a look at a genre that's come up throughout a lot of my Mm -hmm. study of writing, and that's literary fiction. But yeah, uh, for the conversation today, I just kind of wanted to touch on four main things. I think they're things that I sent you in the email earlier, which is sort of defining what literary fiction is, giving some examples of things that exist in that genre, Okay. exploring the rules, tropes, expectations, and um, what other genres can learn from those, um, from those tropes. And then uh, lastly, giving some examples of literary fiction that aren't quite the norm that sort of uh break the genre as it were whoa i see where you got that title i like it a lot title drop (laughs) someone did steal genre breaker on twitter before i got it there though oh that's sad yeah but i guess i shouldn't be that surprised so you're here you are my esteemed guest on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Why don't you uh, talk about your experiences with literary fiction? With literary fiction? Well, let me talk about literary fiction for a minute because um, I'm a creative writing student, and so that means I take workshops, and since my genre of choice, um, my genre, I guess, my medium, my form of choice is fiction... I have taken fiction workshop, and I took fiction workshop with a professor who, like many professors, he's actually quite normal in this respect. He was like, we're only going to write literary fiction in this class. And so after he said that, we had this conversation, well, what is literary fiction and how do you write it? So um, I myself like to write stuff that's a bit more fantastic, stuff that involves dragons, stuff that involves weird stuff like grandmothers coming back to life. Um... And so I was kind of like, oh god, what are we going to do? But basically, um, what we discussed in that class, and what I also believe to be true, is that literary fiction is a genre of fiction that's really... Calling it a genre seems a little bit too narrow, even to me, because it's really an umbrella term that covers a whole style of writing, if that makes sense. Um, To me, literary fiction is fiction that's really heavy on... um, the formal aspects like great um, prose um, with lots of metaphor, lots of symbolism. Um, like it takes more mental power to unpack, and it's more rich with um, things to unpack, and that's why it's often more. Um, it's the writing that's most often called like art, like fine art by teachers and writers all over the place. And there's a literary canon of literary fiction that writers should read and um, do read in order to study writing. And also this is the kind of stuff you read in English class, right? Like Faulkner and Hemingway and um, all those good classics that form the backbone are the foundation for the style of literary fiction we read today. Also short stories like Cathedral, Raymond Carver, right? That's one of the iconic um, short stories that has really heavily influenced fiction writing and how the short story is written. Tobias Wolf, that kind of style, I guess. So to me, literary fiction is more about 
style than content, I guess, because there's a lot of, um, a lot of literary fiction. I think the vast majority of it probably would be realistic, so nothing fantastic like dra dragons or people coming back to life is going to happen, but there is also a really big tradition of magical realism. Gabriel Garcia Marquez is the big one I can think of right now, and there's a lot of blurring of the lines, um, especially with um, speculative fiction and um, literary fiction. A lot of science fiction writers. Oh, what's that guy's name? The guy that wrote Heinlein? Story of Your Life or oh, Story of uh, My Life. I'm thinking of Ted. 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 Oh, God, I'm going to say his name so wrong. Ted Chiang. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I feel like a really bad Chinese person right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, the guy that wrote Story of, Story of Your Life. The story that Arrival is based on, that to me would be um, science fiction of literary caliber. So that was a very long-winded way of saying that literary fiction is all about like quality, quality writing, high quality writing, um, lots of symbolism, lots of great stuff to unpack. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, I'm going to... I'm not going to use Wikipedia as my only source here, but I think it's fair to point mm -hmm. out that I am using Wikipedia for this definition. <laughs> uh, literary fiction is a term used to distinguish certain fictional works that possess commonly held qualities to the readers outside genre fiction. Literary fiction has been defined as any fiction that attempts to engage with one or more truths or questions hence relevant to a broad scope of humanity as a form of expression. And that's um, that's kind of a pretentious way of putting it, if I'm going to be totally honest. <laughs> um, which isn't necessarily unfair. Um, <laughs> there, there is... I mean, you're right. <laughs> I've always had sort of this issue with the separation between literary and genre fiction, because I think good writing can be, and generally by definition, is both. Right. But I do think this idea of literary fiction, this idea of the canon, can be useful in sort of exploring different ways to address writing and to, like, talk about why we write. Obviously, mm -hmm. people write for entertainment or um, for any number of reasons, not every book out there is attempting to solve the question of what does it mean to be human, but right. a lot of uh, literary authors um, or literary works, things that are viewed in the literary sense, do take a, uh, a deeper look at some of the sort of core issues that we all face as people. And like you said, that's usually... Um, that's fairly commonly done through a realistic approach. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's also a more magical realism element that pops up not infrequently. Um, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge jumps to mind. Right. Where it's uh, sort of exploring this idea of a man who dies and um, his sort of life flashing before his eyes, or rather in the moments before he dies, he sort of sees himself going home. Mm -hmm. It sort of tackles the issues that he faces emotionally in coming to terms with his mortality, among other things, obviously. It's a dense work, which is to say <laughs> literary fiction is often dense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would agree that there is a lot of, like, 
classics and literary fiction, which is very beautifully written in a style that I would call literary, like Shirley Jackson. I just read The Haunting of Hill House for a class about writing the supernatural, and I mean, her writing is um, totally literary to me, and I don't think anyone would argue that she's a masterful writer and a um, writer of many classics that people still love and read today. Um, I mean, she's not that old. She's only in the 50s or so, I think, is when she wrote. Um, but Well, her name still comes up yeah, I'm... as like a member of the literary canon of the writers who make up that sort mm-hmm. of higher class. Yeah. You can't see my air quotes, but... <laughs> but they're there. We can get into certain issues with um, with how that does separate things out and how sometimes sort of the idea that something is literary or genre can dismiss um, very meaningful and well-meaning works that have fantastical elements. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is worth acknowledging that a lot of the people that are in the literary canon are there because they are very masterful writers right. of the craft. Yeah, yeah. I totes agree. All right. So in a more sort of specific thing, what sort of elements do you think come up in literary fiction? Mm, what do you mean by elements? Are you talking about like craft devices or um, content, like divorce or something? <laughs> I mean, divorce is one. Divorce is one. And like the institution of marriage in general, I'd say. Family. Yeah, I've actually noticed that uh, family, family is something that comes up quite frequently. Yeah. And sort of a breakdown of what does that mean and where it is or isn't chosen. I mean, if we're going to be talking about what it means to be human, um, family is something that so many people experience in so many different ways that it's just really fertile ground for this kind of writing, I think. As are relationships of any kind, friendships, marriage, um, you know, sibling relationships, black goes into family, I suppose. And then I guess if we're going to talk about, like, elements, you said, um, for content, um, family covers it pretty well. There's a lot of political stuff, too, I think, um, in literary fiction. And now I'm trying to think of examples because I said that. But I mean... Um, well, The Great Gatsby was very politically about the time that it was written in. Mm-hmm. in the, uh, well, now I said that and I can't remember the era. The 1920s? The top of my head. The 1920s, yes. <laughs> it was about sort of that, um, sort of both the social and political movements going on in that time. And it wasn't overtly about somebody being involved in politics, mm-hmm. but um, also the Lonely Hearts Club or Mr. Lonely Hearts. The Lonely Hearts Club sounds familiar. I'm, I'm going to say I haven't read it, but um, it does sound familiar for sure. It's a story about a, uh, a man writing an advice column as under the pen name Mrs. Lonely Hearts or something to that effect. And it's very heavily about the, um, the Depression era and sort of disillusionment with society in general. I see. Yeah, see, now you said the Depression era, and then, of course, the Grapes of Wrath. That's political, I would say. Oh, the Grapes of Wrath, absolutely. Yeah. I did not love that ending. I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think when I read it in high school, I was kind of weirded out. But now that I'm older, um, I appreciate it more. And that's something that one of my professors um, once said to me, that, like, sometimes you have to be, like, you have to read something at the right time. You have to be, like, the right age. You have to mature. You have to have matured enough to appreciate this. And honestly, um, when it comes to literary fiction, I'm not going to lie. In high school, I thought it was the worst. I was like, man, why don't you read this crap? This is so boring. I just want to read fantasy novels, you know, where people blow stuff up. But um, I don't know. In college, I think that it's really grown on me. 
maybe because of my coursework in part, um, but also um, I think that like after spending so much time learning how to write and spending so much time reading all kinds of different things, the genre or the category, I should say, has really, the style has really grown on me and I enjoy reading it quite a bit. I think there is a certain part of literary fiction where appreciation of it comes from understanding how people use the language and um, having sort of the expertise to to understand sort of what common metaphors there are there and what common ways language can be used and how that can be subverted or how that can point to other things. And so it's it's not the most accessible type of writing, but if you if you take the time to sit down and learn about a story, you can really get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, where were we? Elements of literary fiction, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, one you mentioned uh -huh. about uh, how it sort of points to being human made me immediately think of Call of the Wild by Jack London. Oh. Which I think is actually, could be considered a very literary work, but it's all from the perspective of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be literary. I mean, um, Jack London, he wrote classics. I mean, the, his books are considered classics, and I guess being a classic, I don't know that you can conflate them entirely, but I do think that being what people consider a classic and being literary fiction are very closely related. I agree. I think some of that is a certain way of how people like to rise up things after the fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, we see something as uh, enduring, and so because it has endured, we add it to what is considered the literary canon. Right. But I think you also sort of mentioned this earlier, uh, sometimes you can appreciate a work for all it's worth in the moment, sort of coming back to it with extra context, and even culturally and historically coming back with extra context. Mm -hmm. can be very important to appreciating something. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm replying really dumb right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like spouting all this eloquent stuff. Oh, I'm in grad school. I'm so smart. And I'm like, ugh, it's nine. It's almost 10 p.m. It is 10 p.m. It's 11 over here, so. Yeah, I know. I'm just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you gave the, the longer speech earlier, so. Okay. It balances out in the end, I suppose. I suppose. But yeah, I mean, um, let me like make sure I'm understanding what you're saying, right? Because you're saying that like when you're older and you know more about history, about um, just life in general, after having lived through more experiences, then you can come back to like a story or a novel with greater appreciation for its content, maybe greater understanding of what it's trying to do. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I think that's an appropriate way to phrase it. Okay. And you know, this is something that's not even necessarily true of just literary fiction is a, a story you read at a specific time in your life may mean something different if you return to it later. Mm -hmm. And that's something that all writers can, I think, appreciate and take advantage of. I agree with that. I definitely agree. Actually, um, I think you did bring this up earlier, this idea that anything with a high quality of writing or a high quality of story you think should be considered literary fiction. And that relates to something that I've been thinking about just on and off in general, because, I mean, if you say literary fiction explores what it means to be human and explores, you know, all these, all these big ideas, I mean, to me, that's just a hallmark of good writing in general. And I mean, any well-written story, even like something on the YA shelf that has, you know, 
epic fantasy where got we got castles and dragons and princesses or whatever it should tackle like important themes right it should still have to have a good story with depth um you have to bring some of that stuff in literary qualities to your story but does that make it literary fiction or not well and i'm maybe in the minority by saying this but i think it does and i think Hmm. there's an ambiguous way that we define quality Mm -hmm. and good writing that's you know it when you see it (laughs) which in a sense there are things that i've especially in workshops or uh, sometimes in an anthology that was mostly good stories, but then there were some things that I just didn't think were as well-written. Right. That's mostly subjective, but there's also a certain degree of being able to use language effectively. And if language is used poorly, it won't reach as many people. Hmm which almost runs counter to the idea that literary fiction isn't the most accessible sort of writing. That's true. But I think what you were saying, and to sort of bring this back around to to your point, even things like, uh, like Harry Potter or The Hunger Games are maybe not the most fantastic examples of prose there have ever been, but they do tackle serious themes about what it means to be human throughout their um, the course of their stories. And I think that's something that should at least be acknowledged and appreciated, even if they aren't necessarily in the same same category as uh, Shirley Jackson and Jack London or John Updike or mm. what have you. Uh, you know, in high school, my career writing teacher said, I think The Hunger Games is a book of literary merit, and he was probably onto something, <laughs> most likely. <laughs> But actually, um, I just had a thought while you were talking. I did not bring this up when I tried to define like whatever literary fiction is supposed to be. But I do know that something that gets thrown around a lot is the idea that literary fiction, the style of literary fiction that exists, exists more to tell character-driven or character-focused stories, whereas in non-literary fiction, which I could be like, genre fiction, all the various different genres, like science fiction, fantasy, um, romance, western, whatever, those stories are more focused on a plot. Anyways, I don't know if you've heard that distinction before, but that's something I've definitely heard before. Like, in literary fiction, the plot is much thinner, I guess, um, less emphasized, and maybe the focus is more on the character's development or lack of development and um, their internal state. Is that something you agree with? And I don't know, what do you think about that? Because I think that's kind of an interesting thing to say or believe. No, I think I've definitely heard that before. I think that's actually probably fairly accurate for a lot of things that people consider literary fiction. Mm -hmm. Now, I have seen some examples of what I might call faux literary fiction or uh, pretentiousness for the sake of itself in writing where the characters are actually fairly shallow, but they do a lot of internal monologuing, and so it's come it comes across as very literary, right. despite the fact they're not actually saying much. And I think I think there is a chance for someone trying to emulate literary fiction to shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> also, I've noticed. And this isn't true across the board, but there are some very unlikable characters in literary fiction. That is true. I mean, I guess um, part of what makes literary fiction 
literary fiction is this desire to examine all kinds of people and especially the people that are like not likable not perfect I mean <laughs> I don't think that in popular fiction it's true of writing as a whole that like your characters shouldn't be Mary Sue's they shouldn't be good at everything you know we all love them because they're perfect if a character was perfect I wouldn't love them I'd be like you suck you're so boring but um I think in literary fiction like examining the worst that humanity has to offer is just so interesting and that's probably why A Clockwork Orange exists I guess that's the best example I can think of right now or Lolita I mean we like to those are both very strong examples. <laughs> I mean we we just like to like look into the minds of twisted people or twisted characters I should say um just to see like what's going on there to explore what it means to be human that's part of what it means to be human people that do terrible things yeah, and I think that's another thing that all all types of writing can sort of take from this. Even if you aren't wanting to make something that's literary, you can still make deep characters and you can still explore the rougher sides of those characters. You don't have to make someone who's perfect and loved by everyone and good at everything to make them interesting. In fact, you go a long way a much longer way towards making them interesting by not doing those things in many right. cases. Right. I mean, there's a big tradition of writing anti-heroes in fantasy stories um, in particular, or in superhero stories even, like um, Suicide Squad. I don't know if that would count as anti-hero. They are villains, but they're also the heroes of the story. I don't know. That's a discussion for... I think those count as anti-villains. Anti-villains. <laughs> that would make sense then. Um, I, I'm going to get you on TV tropes. There's... You'll lose days to that, <laughs> but it's as good a source as any for exploring what is or isn't sort of a pattern in a literary work, and how sometimes those patterns can be actually very mm -hmm. good. Uh, tropes are not bad. They're just a way of identifying something that comes up again and again, and sometimes it's good to explore why those things do come up again yeah. and again. Which is to say, yes, uh... The anti-hero, um, the person who is the protagonist, but not necessarily your um, the best person. I would even say it's gotten more popular in a recent culture. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that can be done too far or uh, overblown, but also I generally find a character like that more interesting than the generic everyman that you sometimes end up in their place. That's true. Me too. I can... I agree. I'm going to go with the boring response. I agree. <laughs> I'm going to circle back to something I said earlier, and I guess you can edit it okay. into that part of the conversation if you want, but um, one thing that like I do think happens... I was told in workshop to write literary fiction, and I didn't mind because that was a great way for me to practice writing more realistic things and work on writing craft, and I appreciated that, but I... Do you notice that in Workshop, um, I said earlier that people have this idea of literary fiction as more character-driven and popular fiction as more plot-driven, which is, as a whole, I think, true, like you said. But I think in Workshop, that doesn't always translate well, because people, like, see that they have that idea of literary fiction in their head, and the kind of, like, story, or the kind of, you know, the kind of ending it's supposed to have, the kind of beginning it's supposed to have, the kind of middle it's supposed to have. And I find in Workshop, people turn in a story and the ending is anticlimactic like the plot's just kind of like eh, whatever nothing really happened and they're like okay 
that means I wrote literary fiction because that's just how it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be kind of like, maybe it's going to end in Sadville or maybe it's just going to be like a flat line. If you drew the narrative arc, it'd be a flat line and that's literary fiction. I think it is possible to write a story that doesn't conform exactly to a narrative arc, the traditional one that we're all taught in class and that we all try to adhere to, but I think it is much more difficult and not often achieved successfully in a workshop. And I think even if most literary fiction has this reputation of ending in a weird way or ending in a kind of anticlimactic way, it still follows a narrative arc mostly. Wouldn't you agree? Because the characters still have to have wants and desires like all good characters do, which is something my professor definitely stressed to me. No, I definitely agree. I've uh, I've seen that same issue in workshops I've taken myself and just uh, just stories that I've I've seen and worked with other writers on outside mm -hmm. of class. And many of the stories um, when I was when I was editor of the mm -hmm. Vortex, uh, I'm sure you're in that position now. You've seen some submissions that maybe have a good start but don't don't have a very good ending. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a trap that a lot of people trying to write literary fiction fall yeah. into, is that you can't have, is that there's this assumption that because it's literary, you don't need an ending. But the ending is still something that you deliberately choose where it yeah. is. Even if it's not a perfect, clean, wrapped up the story with a bow, which it's fair that it wouldn't be that, because life isn't right. like that. Life is messy and has loose ends, and literary fiction tries to emulate that often mm -hmm. times. But you still need to have something that makes a point for the right. reader. Yeah, I know that was a big complaint that my professor had. The one that told us to write literary fiction workshop, and then he got these stories, and he was like, well, you know, your characters don't want anything, and I mean, what's going on? Like, what happened? What's the point? And it sounded very harsh. It was a little bit harsh, I guess, for undergraduates. But I think that um, he was onto something there. And I don't think that you have to have an anticlimactic ending for it to be literary. I think that most literary fiction, actually, that I've read is quite climactic. They do follow the narrative arc structure, as most stories do in the world. Um, like when I read The Haunting of Hill House, which I'm just going to keep coming back to because it's fresh in my mind. I mean, have you read that book? Do you know what happened at the end? Because that was wild. <laughs> it was it was some intense I've stuff. I've not read that, but... I haven't read that, but I am thinking a little bit of The Yellow Wallpaper. Yeah. Which also has a very climactic ending and is um, honestly one of the better uh, literary stories I've read. It's not terribly long, but it gets very deep into this character and it addresses sort of the political issues, um, sort of feminist issues of the time mm -hmm. it was written. But there's also this this sort of, you mentioned magical realism elements earlier. There's sort of that to it. And it has a very strong ending where the character is completely transformed in the end to the point that she's almost unrecognizable. Um, both to herself and to others. And it's a very strong and powerful ending, and it's a very literary work. I agree. And I think those two things work in concert. I most definitely agree. Well. <laughs> well, I guess we can probably wrap up about there, unless there's anything else you want to say. Um. I, I think we've covered several examples we've sort of talked about what other types of writing can learn from this mm -hmm. uh 
what is and isn't and is only halfway literary fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, I'm fine with doing that if you are. Um, is there any, like, wrap-up talk we should do or any wrap-up, like, should we summary? In summary, literary fiction doesn't exist or literary fiction does exist, <laughs> but um, it isn't a distinct genre. Is that what we've decided, I guess? That it, it, it exists? I think it exists. I think it is a good term to have. As a genre, does it function well? I think I would be less annoyed with it if the definition of literary, and language is prescriptive, language changes, it's fluid, whatever, but the definition of literary is something that has been written down, and that encompasses <laughs> all written works by definition. And so I really just wish we had a different term for what we call literary fiction, because it feels like that in particular muddies the I waters see. for me. And yeah, it, it is. Me. But that's not that important. Well, it's kind of important, but it would be difficult to do. So good luck with that, dude. Yeah, um, get on my, uh, I'm starting a Kickstarter to change literary fiction <laughs> into... Into all fiction. Deep fiction. <laughs> into deep fiction is now the term we're deep using. Fiction. Um, check out my Kickstarter. It's at kickstarter.com slash literary fiction doesn't exist dot com. You know, deep fiction sounds like something a fuckboy would say. <laughs> it is something a fuckboy would say. Only fuckboys read literary and fiction. I'm saying it, you heard so. it here. Literary fiction is for fuckboys. <laughs> Have you ever, you know, David Foster Wallace, right? It is what fuckboys read. Well, now I'm just going to have to, like, put an explicit tag on this episode, which we'd, we'd made it so close to the end. But, yeah, I think that's all we really need to cover. So, yeah, this has been the first episode of Genre Breaker. It might have been a little rough at points there, but we're going to smooth out those edges as we go on and we sort of figure out our stride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's all there is to it. Uh, thanks for uh, being on the call with me, Yeah, Audrey. no problem. Let me know any time when you want me to do this again, because I had a good time. I'm glad that you asked me to do this. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. So that's it, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more, you can follow me at TheGenreBreaker on Twitter, or check out GenreBreaker.com. You be like, hi, my name is Hayden, and welcome to the first episode of Genre Breaker. What are we talking about today? Literary fiction!